Welcome to the LDS Dating Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Mark Ogletree. He's an associate visiting professor in the Department of Church History and Doctrine at BYU. He taught for 21 years in the church educational system, where he was a seminary teacher, seminary principal, institute instructor, institute director, and CES coordinator. He received his bachelor's degree in human resources development from Brigham Young University, his master's degree in mental health counseling and education psychology from Northern Arizona University, and his PhD in family and human development from Utah State University. Before coming to BYU, Mark owned and operated his own marriage and family therapy practice in McKinney, Texas. He has written several books on marriage and family-related topics. Mark and his wife, Janie, have eight children and reside in Provo, Utah. Welcome to the show, Mark. How are you doing? Hey, great, guys. I hope you're doing great, too. So, um, to start off with, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself that we might not have gotten in the bio and uh, let people know a little bit what you're doing right now and... Uh, introduce your book. Introduce your book. <laughs> sure, sure. No, so I... Uh, we moved up here to, to Utah in 2010 from Texas, and I've been uh, teaching at BYU ever since. Uh, I have a small little marriage and family therapy practice here, and, and uh, anyway, so that's been a good move for us. Uh, we miss Texas a lot, but uh, there's great opportunities here in Utah. And, and yeah, and so the book, uh, the book on uh, preparing for your celestial marriage, I think probably was released about a few weeks ago, maybe, so... Anyway, that, and that book does focus on uh, helping people understand the dating, courtship, engagement, and then the marriage processes, and hopefully helps give them some tools to uh, help them navigate those areas successfully. Yeah, in your preface, I really liked that you said uh, your students were your inspiration because you were realizing how ill-prepared we are for marriage. <laughs> That no one really, no one really teaches you how to prepare. Even in marriage preparation and things, it, there's still um, kind of that gap of, you know, we we dream that it will be this perfect thing, and you know, you don't really understand the hard work that it takes. And even though people tell you it takes hard work, you don't grasp what that means exactly. How how the work happens, <laughs> what kind of work it is. Totally true, totally true. So, uh, so I don't know if you guys know, but there was a First Comes Love was the first book, book that I ever did, and I think that came out right around 2000 or so. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this one, I want to say it's a remake of that same book because it's really not, it's quite different than the first one. Uh, but that was maybe one of the big differences is I had access to so many students that were coming in to my office at BYU, probably at least maybe a couple a week, you know, for the last five or six years and kind of sharing their concerns and their challenges. And, and uh, yeah, so that, that really did. I mean, I, I just would take notes and think, okay, we need a, we need a book that addresses this topic and then we need to address this one and, Boy, that's something that we need to talk about, you know. And so that kind of became the the driving force for sure for for some of the chapters and some of the the uh, ideas that are discussed in the book. I think that's that's pretty interesting. That uh, you know, I guess at BYU and and the the position you were at to teach people that you would have students come and ask you about the those kind of questions. Uh, I'm 
at uh, TW right now, and I think it'd be kind of weird to go to any of my professors <laughs> with uh, asking for that kind of advice. Well, and, and once again, the cool thing was, is so I was teaching the class, and the class was preparing for marriage is what it was, you know, so that just set up the students perfectly to want to come in and ask more questions on things that we weren't covering in class, or usually it was just their personal lives, you know, and saying, hey, uh, this is what's going on. About, about two years ago, that class changed from preparing for marriage to now we call it the eternal family which has more of a doctoral emphasis, but also we end up talking more about parenting at the end of the course. The way the course ended before is we got them married, so to speak, in the course. Now we're taking them through marriage and into raising children, and so it goes a little bit further now. But yeah, so that once again, that just course lends itself to have people come in and, and ask, ask questions because so many of them in their personal lives, that's, that's kind of right where they are right now. I mean, that, those are some of the, you know, they're coming in and saying, look, I, I really think I've been in love with this person, but how do I know? Or I'm seeing some red flags with this person. What do I do? Or I'm trying to get answers, you know, in, in my, you know, through, through the spirit, through prayer. And I'm not, you know, my parents don't think this is a good idea, but I do, you know, those kinds of, so it's all real life, real time, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Big personal questions that, you don't want to ask your parents, especially if they're not approving <laughs> of your choice. Right, right, right. I like that the the course you teach now is Eternal Families and goes into parenting, because especially in our LDS culture, you kind of jump into both at the same time. <laughs> right. A lot of the time. Right. And there's, you know, I know, I know the internet's full of, you know, great ideas, you know, for helping people be better parents, but uh, to have kind of a hands-on course where they can interact with an instructor and ask questions and and uh, and then learn even from other students that have been through it is really helpful, for sure. So how long would you say it's taken from, you know, starting to take notes and getting the concepts ready for the book from start to finish, you started taking notes and then it's been released how long has the process been you know it always takes longer you know to to get a book out than probably most people would think you know the book the manuscript i should say was it's really interesting i, I as i sat down to write this book you know which is preparing for marriage i kept having ideas you know on on that after marriage stuff you know like okay now we have finances and intimacy and, and children and all those challenges. And so by the time the manuscript was done, I think there were like 12 chapters. And I thought, you know what, this is way too long. This could probably be two books, you know. And so I, I sent both manuscripts in at the same time, one on kind of preparing for marriage and then one on, okay, here's what happens after. And the publisher, which is Covenant, was so excited about the idea of a book for newlyweds, you know, because there was just nothing out there on that niche at all. And so they actually published that book first. And so I think that was, that's Just Married. And Just Married came out a couple years ago. Uh, I guess it came out in 2015, I want to say. And then they say this one, uh, which is now preparing for marriage, uh, to, you know, that was just released a month ago. So the sequence kind of came out in reverse order. Mm -hmm. But, 
you know, I would say the entire process, you know, from start to finish, probably took a couple of years. Usually, it's a couple of years of of uh, of writing, and then and then going with the, working with the publisher on changes and some editing and some things like that, and then. It's got to go through their review process, and that usually takes another year or so. So, so yeah. So to, to get a book out probably takes a lot longer than, than people think because when you submit that manuscript, it sometimes is a couple years after it's the shelves, you know. Yeah, I didn't realize it would take that long. Sounds and they held on to the this preparing for marriage, celestial marriage, for two whole years. That's crazy to imagine. <laughs> it's a long gap. I'm sure it's all about marketing and releasing things at the right time and what we feel the, the needs are. So, um, But yeah, I think it's worked out well. I, I mean, I wish the, we could have launched the preparing for marriage first and then the, the uh, sequence or the sequel could have been, you know, just married. But anyway, it's, they're both out there now, so that's great. I'm pretty happy about it. So, Yeah, it's got to be pretty exciting. Uh, what kind of a reception have you, have you seen of them so far? You know, uh, a pretty great reception. Um, the first book, Just Married, actually won an award in our department for the publication of the year. Uh, in, you know, in our in our BYU religion department. So that's I know that's just a small little uh, little group, but at least it was recognized that way from the reviewers who read the book and thought, "Wow, this is pretty good." And so I think there's been a lot of responses to that on social media, and then uh, with the new book, uh, Preparing for Marriage. There's already been some some interest for me to speak at some different places about it and uh, to do a couple spots like this and uh, um, you know together for some book, book signings in some different places. So it seems like it's getting a little bit of momentum. You know, I think that uh, it's going to take. You know, it's kind of word of mouth, right? It's, so it kind of often to get the word out and to circulate it you now takes a lot longer than it. Well, then you wanted to, I guess, you know. I'm always hoping that everyone in the world can do it in a couple days, but it just takes a little while, so. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to help you out with that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's even funny. I'll have students say, hey, I read this book, uh, and I had no idea you were the author. I guess people don't look at the author. You know, I had a student the other day say, yeah, I got the book, just married uh, for, for our wedding, uh, you know, for a wedding gift, and we read it. And then I was just thinking in class today. I was like, wait, that's the same name that's on the book. Oh, so you wrote that book. Anyway, so <laughs> that kind of stuff happens a lot too. So anyway, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it does. And I, I have to comment because I haven't read the whole book yet because I just bought it about a week ago and I'm a mom. So <laughs> I'm almost about halfway through it. And I just want to tell you it is beautifully written. I love especially all the stories that you've shared especially from history i think i just finished the part that uh the songwriter philip paul bliss and his wife were in the train accident and how he he freed himself but he stayed with her anyway and they both perished in the flames and you're like you know this might not happen probably won't happen for most of us but do we have that kind of commitment and love and sacrifice for our our spouse and just all those kinds of stories you throw in there from your students from history it really helps you know emphasize those points of will you be willing to do this for the person you're thinking of marrying i think it's very powerful right 
Yeah, I, I love the stories too. I tend to connect and, and, and relate to stories myself, you know, when people are teaching me or when I'm reading. Or uh, This was the advantage of writing the book by myself. So this book uh, and the one before, the first two books I've ever written alone. Uh, usually it's with a co-author, and with a co-author, you've got to find a way to blend the words, you know, and the ch chapters together to make it sound like one voice. But it's also hard to tell personal stories when you're writing with another person because how is the reader going to know who it is? Or you know, I've never really found an effective way to do that yet. But but when you write your own book, you know, you really write it with the idea that you're you're just having a conversation with someone, you know, as if as if you are Carrie in my office and I'm just talking to you, you know. So I really really like the idea of being personal with it. You'll notice that I shared a lot of personal stories. Uh, too, and, and once again, I felt very at ease to do that when I'm just writing on, on my own without someone else. Mm, I saw that in your preface that you said, you know, thanks, Janie, for being a good sport and letting me share so many stories. <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't like the spotlight quite so much. <laughs> she doesn't. She, she'd rather be anonymous for sure. But she is a good sport. I have enjoyed the stories that you guys have had in there so far with hiking the Y without the trail. <laughs> right. Forging I think I'm still in trouble with that one. I think that was 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how you, you missed the trail that they had. <laughs> yeah, the trail is pretty obvious, isn't it? It'd be kind of hard to miss it, but that's, that's back when I had my Bear Grylls genetics going, you know, and that could probably do anything back in those days. Mm -hmm. well, I love hearing your personal stories, so I'm grateful Janie was okay with you putting those in there, too. <laughs> Def definitely inspirational. It was actually more of a just go go forward with faith and don't even ask for permission until the book was printed and then say, oh, by the way, you're in here a lot. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> So, um, what are some of the key points um, in this book that that you're you're wanting people to get out of that that are standing out from kind of the other stuff that you've written up till now? You know, uh, you know, probably some of the key points is in the book I, I would think is to help you know help our readers identify the culture you know the culture that we're in today, really, uh, an anti-family culture you know, and it's not real uh, it doesn't lend itself real well to you know to finding someone to marry and. So, you know, we do talk about, uh, you know, courage and faith. Um, I think we use a lot of statistics. There's been some studies done that we were able to rely on to, to help us understand the, the picture a little bit better, so to speak, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, I, if you say, hey, what is the emphasis? You know, I think the emphasis is let's have some courage and let's have some faith here because it does take courage and faith. And it's happened to the darkness sometimes, and, and, and some work, as you guys have suggested, to uh, you know to find someone to marry. But it's it's the most rewarding thing that we'll ever do in this life, you know. And so let's let's have the courage and the faith to do it, and not trend after the world. But uh, you know, be, you know, let's 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 get it done, so to speak. I think that's a really powerful point. I mean, that's something that I see a lot. Um, I mean, most of the people that I'm friends with, we're all married at this point. Uh, we're getting a little bit older there. Um, but a lot of the stuff I see on Facebook, people posting is conflicting that 
we'll see members of the church posting things that uh, kind of support the idea of getting married and having a family and doing the traditional lifestyle and how that's a good thing. And then other people will post how, you know, marriage rates are down and the traditional view of the family is is a bad thing. And so it's it's definitely a trial of faith. And I do think, you know, that's a good point that we need courage to, to go forward and and try to live this lifestyle that we've been taught and that we believe in uh, when the rest of the world is kind of telling us we're horrible people for doing that. <laughs> right, right. And, and another emphasis on the book is that, you know, you, you've got to work on yourself first, right? I mean, the, the focal point has to be, you know, instead of trying to find someone that meets all of your needs, you know, which is what soulmate marriage, that's kind of a movement in our country where you, you try to find someone that just meets all of your needs and will make you happy. We try to emphasize more from a gospel perspective you know, the Savior, Todd, and that's that we've got to we've got to get ourselves in the right condition and shape so that we can bless and and make someone else happy, right? And so, a lot of the preparation is you know getting yourself in, in in the right condition and shape to be good for someone else, you know. And anyway, so we definitely address those kinds of things as well. So, we also talk in there. I know you asked a question about what's in the book, but you know, a really big dilemma that a lot of our uh, you know, students have and, and young single adults in this age group is how to recognize when the spirit is talking to them and how to make decisions. You know, on you know on marriage. You know, the people are. I just I I probably talk to one person a week on that very topic of, boy, I just don't know if I'm getting an answer. Here's how I feel about it, and so we try try to give some in the book. You know, some what I would call indicators and things that and tools to help people understand that. Here's some things you could do and look at to understand and know that relationship is probably good and that the Lord is endorsing it and it's a healthy thing for both of you. So have some faith, strap on, and let's go, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, what might be like one other thing that you get frequently asked to counsel about um, with your students or, or just with the other people that you have interaction with, something that you see that comes up pretty frequently? No, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two. Then I'm going to give you uh, an idea of maybe the, where our world is trending. But one of them, maybe the most common is uh, when one person comes in and, and they're saying that I feel really good about this marriage. You know, I feel really good about, I shouldn't say about the marriage, but I really, I feel really good about uh, wanting to be married to this person. I feel like my prayers have been answered, you know, and I feel like this is definitely the right thing, you know. But the problem is, is their partner doesn't feel that at all. <laughs> the person that they're with just doesn't, just isn't feeling it. You know, they, they're not getting the answer, or they're just not feeling at peace. Or uh, so that's a common one. You know, I, I probably you know deal with that a lot. And then another common one now. That's why I was saying it. It kind of shows you how how we're trending after the world a little bit. But when a couple will come in and say that. We feel really good about getting married. We've prayed about it. We feel at peace with it. We feel it's the right thing to do. But one of our parents is freaking out. You know, one of our parents now is telling us, well, you're not going to, or I don't support that, or I, don't, I, I haven't received that answer, you know. And so there's a lot of dynamics involved in making a decision like that when you know that one of the parents is not on board, you know. And so that could be a difficult challenge, you know, to, to, know, to know how to work through that. So... Anyway, and by the way, that 30 years ago, that didn't happen. You know, 30 years ago, we didn't have parents 
uh, say, no, you're not getting married. You know, In fact, I'll, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to take too much of your time, but usually the reason parents don't want someone to get married is for a reason that's not as legitimate. You know what I mean? I mean, we understand if the parents say, we just, you know, this person has a, a bad history or a, a past that's not healthy or they, they're, we're worried that they, they could be abusive or but that's not what you get. It's more like, well, we're just going to miss you. you know? We're going <laughs> to miss you when you are home, or we just don't think you're. We don't think you're old enough to be married. And you find out the parents got married when they were 21 or 22, and this kid's 25, and the parents are saying you're not old enough. <laughs> a lot of it's kind of a coddling parenting model, or a helicopter parents, you know, that are still trying to control things. You know, you know, even you know, when these kids are return missionaries and graduated from college and their parents are still maybe way too involved in, in making day-to-day decisions of their life, you know? So I Anyway, was, sorry, I could probably talk all day about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, we like it. Good stuff. I was wondering, I haven't, obviously I'm, it might be later in the book, but I was wondering if later on you kind of tackle, um, I lost my train of thought as I was asking the question. <laughs> Uh, yes, we definitely tackle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, what was I gonna say? <laughs> you didn't tell me. <laughs> well, Carrie, Carrie, maybe I can tell you what I, what's probably in the book in the you know after marriage, and then you can that may spur you or cue you up or a little bit here or prompt you. But okay, we talk about we talk about intimacy. I like to talk about uh, how the temple and the sin of the temple can. Bless your life long after you're married for the rest of your life. We talk about communication, you know, and healthy communication patterns, how to resolve conflict. And one of my, well, we talk about intimacy. Uh, we talk about marital adjustments, you know, the top five or six marital adjustments that people have to make once they've been married for a little while. And, and then my favorite is we talk about in-law and adult, adult parent relationships, or in other words, like in you and Bobby's case, you know, we would talk about, okay, so how do you deal with, deal with your in-laws and your parents? And how, how do they affect your marriage relationship? And then, of course, some panning things. I can't remember if I said that or not. So I don't know if that, if that prompts you to say, oh, wait, did you talk about this? But that's kind of what we do after, the, after they're married, yeah. Okay. I think... <laughs> I think I disappointed you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to remember my question at the same time. And I did remember it, and then I, okay, okay, I, I got it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to see if, uh, if you talked about the timing that the world kind of has um, the trend to, to put off having kids or even not to have kids, if you talk about that decision and how the LDS couples are kind of starting to adopt that a little bit to postpone having children completely talk about that you know for sure uh, that that is actually addressed in the book just Mary okay uh, more you know more than on the preparing for marriage but we definitely talk about it and talk about the words of our prophets and what our prophets especially like elder Andrews took a talk I think in 2011 called children and he kind of re-emphasized our church's emphasis on having families and I think we do some data and some statistics on you know, uh, size of Mormon families and, and uh, you know, how old, you know, that we're waiting even longer to get married. And 
we are trending after the world in, in, in some of these areas. And so, yes, we definitely address that, but we do keep it in the right place, I think, I, I, reminding everyone that, okay, no matter what we say here, no matter what is said, this decision is still strictly between the couple and the Lord, you know. Right. But I, what I always like to tell couples, but make sure the Lord is in that decision, you know, make sure that, I remember talking to one of our married daughters a while back and and just asking her when they thought that they even wanted to start thinking about having a family and she said, I don't know, probably a year or two. And I said, have you prayed about it? And she goes, no. <laughs> well, maybe pray about it. You know? so <laughs> I feel like we're not including the Lord in that decision as much as we should. I think people are just using their own judgment. And Anyway, so yeah, we definitely address it. Yeah, I know for us that was part of our engagement discussions because, yeah, I think we had both prayed about it in advance and we were like, we're not going to marry someone who's going to want to wait four years or something crazy to start having kids. We both wanted to start having kids right away. So I was wondering if that was kind of part of this book because it's kind of something we talked about as engaged couples. Yeah, you're right. And so in, in, you know, in, the, in the book we're talking about, in, in the, you know, preparing for your celestial marriage, we definitely talk about those discussions that couples, you know, here are five key areas that every couple who's getting married should talk about and children is definitely on the top of that list. You know, that's, and I'll, I'll meet someone in my counseling practice every now and then that's struggling with that because, you know, all of a sudden one of the spouses has decided, you know what, I don't want to have kids. <laughs> and that's a hard time to win. Wait, before we got married, you said you wanted five. So we're, we're now what do we do? You know, and that's a, Whoa. that's a challenge, you know? And so yeah, it's a sensitive topic, but it's one that couples need to, address for sure you know what do you recommend for that situation i've never imagined being in that where they say yes i want kids before marriage and then afterwards not so much what do you say to that question one of those cases was pretty rare it was a it was a a very special doctor uh who um was working with infants they had brain, you know, brain trauma after birth, or you know, brain, you know, brain uh, defects, or, and I think it just creeped them out of all the things that could go wrong, you know, possibly potentially, and uh, and so he just backed out of the idea that they were going to have kids, and so in that case, they needed to meet with, you know, a really good priesthood leader and bishop that could help them, and maybe their parents, and and they were coming to me as a counselor, you know, kind of working through that, and I think that they made it through they just had you know just like anyone else they just had some at least one of the one of them had some, some issues that just needed to be resolved you know and, and once we helped them resolve those then they were they kind of made it through that but yeah that was a that was kind of a almost a deal breaker for that marriage you know because here's the wife in my counseling office and saying all i've ever wanted to do was to be a mother you know that was that was my main goal in life and now i'm being told i'm not going to be you know and so, yeah, it was a deal, you know. Yeah, so, that would be huge. That's, yeah. So that's why you definitely want to have those discussions. I even recommend that one of the things we talk about in the book also is, hey, go babysit some kids. You know, if, that was the best advice we were ever given by my father-in-law when we were engaged is letting us know in a, in a really politically correct way that engaged couples tend to be super self-absorbed, you know. They don't even, I mean, they're 
world war would be going on around them and they would be totally oblivious, you know. And uh, he said, get outside of yourselves and go and, and, and find someone to help. And his recommendation was that we find some, someone that we can babysit. And it just so happened, in our case, we knew we found uh, twin boys who were like one and a half years old. And every Thursday for two or three months, we'd go over, Janie and I, and babysit those boys. And we probably learned more about, about each other. And, you know, maybe more about parenting for me than I'd ever known in my life at that point. You know, my wife was already a pro because she's the oldest of eight kids and had been really helpful. But, but that was a good thing, you know, to be able to see a spouse in light of, okay, what are they like, what are they like with kids? It's one, one thing to say, we're going to have five or six kids, or, you know, but it's another thing to find out, well, are you going to be involved in that? I mean, are you going to, for a wife to be able to look at a husband and say, are you actually going to help change diapers and get up in the middle of the night? And are you good with kids? You know, can you have a relationship with them and can you relate to them? And I see people now all the time uh, that are getting married and finding out that the husband doesn't want, he, he doesn't mind having the children or helping create them, so to speak, but wants nothing to do with the hard stuff, right? Of changing diapers and getting up at three in the morning. And, and that's not fair. You know, that's, this is a team effort. So, but anyway, a lot of those things could be kind of talked about, and I, and I remember that. I remember driving home, you know, as a newlywed couple after we babysat those two boys and just having discussions, you know, with each other on what we thought about parenting and, and kids and how we'd raise ours, and those were, <laughs> that was maybe the smartest thing we ever did, you know. Yeah, that's a really Sorry. good point. That I type off in one per hour. Sorry. <laughs> no, we love it. This is why you're here. <laughs> okay. All right. But yeah, I think that's definitely something. Some people will say, "Okay, do we want do we want kids, and when do we want them, and how many?" But then they don't talk about how involved each parent's going to be. I think I've seen couples that I'm friends with or something where the husband's kind of like, yeah, we'll have as many kids as you want because you're in charge of the children. And that's kind of, that's the mentality where it's like, yeah, have however many you want because they're for you. Uh, hands off kind of dads. I've seen that before. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the problem. You. You just assume that in every category that you're talking about, like, oh, do you want kids? That means you want to be involved in raising them. Or um, other questions like, do you want to be out of debt? And they might say, oh, sure, but, you know, I also want to buy pizza every Friday night. And, you know, they don't want to give up their lifestyle and sacrifice for it. So you really got to talk about all those different details of how you're going to get to your goals and the talking about it is the key. I mean, that's, you know, I used to, you know, I would, I would ask our students, okay, how are you going to assess someone's spirituality? And they would say, oh, you go to a fireside together. Okay, okay, that's great. But if you don't talk about that on the way home, you've, you've blown it. You know, you blew an opportunity. You know, if you don't talk about that babysitting those kids or if you don't, you know, talk about whatever the activity was and process together, I and mean, that's where you really learn about each other. And, and that's what we need our our young people to do more of. Mm -hmm. I always think of the example for spirituality of a president Monson gave a talk that was kind of based on the lion King and how that made him think about heavenly father and how heavenly father can look down on us and say, you know, you are my son or daughter. Don't forget who you are. And that 
that scene with Mufasa and Simba. And I thought, wow, like you're watching a Disney movie and you make it <laughs> spiritual. <laughs> That's right. You so, just got to get <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you could, you could go watch anything and someone spiritual could, you know, grab some spiritual nuggets out of almost anything. You can test them anywhere. <laughs> That's right. Well, Mark, we don't want to take up too much of your time, and we definitely appreciate you coming on to talk to us. Um, so I've got one more question for you, and then we'll then we'll go ahead and wrap up and let you get on with your day. Um, okay. So what outcome or personal applications do you want readers to take away as a result of reading your book? You know, to me, it boils, you know, it boils down to maybe just one concept, you know, and that is this, that the, the great greatest way that you can prepare for marriage is to incorporate Christ-like attributes into your life. You know, instead of, instead of looking for those attributes in everyone else, but, you know, the idea would be, no, you need to develop those. You know, this is, this is the time. I mean, a marriage is the great, great laboratory of love, and it's the great opportunity to demonstrate those Christ-like traits. But the time is now to develop those, you know, I mean, to overcome selfishness and overcome pride and to become, you know, selfless and patient and kind. And that prepares someone, in my mind, for marriage more than anything else, you know. And we, we know that people are getting divorced today because of selfishness and pride. I mean, it's since President Kimball talked about that in the 1970s, that every divorce is the result of selfishness. Well, if we, if we know that, then let's prepare for it, you know, and let's prepare for it now. And how do you prepare for that? Well, acquire Christ-like attributes, you know, and you start working on it now. You don't wait until, you know, you're 30 or 40 years old to try to kick that in. But you, all the things that our, our young people learn in the mission field from Preach My Gospel and from great mission presidents and leaders and from the scriptures about trying to be like the Savior, you know, that is, once again, in my mind, the greatest thing that people can do to make them ready and able to be an awesome marriage partner. And that's what's going to keep the marriage going and actually make it a celestial marriage instead of just, uh, you know, we're hanging out for a while. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we definitely appreciate your time. Uh, but where can people go to, to find your book and to get in contact with you if they, they want to check and see what you're doing? I think the best uh, my website, just my name, is just markogletree.com. If they wanted to, needed to get a hold of me for anything... There's contact information there. But I think, uh, you know, the book is at Deseret Book, is uh, carried by Deseret Book. I've also found it on Amazon, you know, so I think if you just do a search for it, which is preparing for your celestial marriage, then uh, then you, you would be able to be led to one of those places where you can probably get it online even, so. Okay, so the hard copy is at Deseret Book, like a paperback? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh, it's a paperback, yeah. Okay, because what I have is the is just the Amazon ebook, and I was like, oh, I would love to have this in real paper. <laughs> yeah, so you could go to Desert Book online and just order online from Desert Book for for most of your people that are probably following your podcast that don't live, you know, near Desert Book. Uh, I'm sure you could get it, uh, you know, sometime out there, some way out there on the internet for sure. So now here's a question. We obviously love audio because we're doing a podcast. Have you thought about uh, doing an audio book for it? Yeah. No, I I mean, I haven't thought about that yet because the, you know, the, uh, 
the publishers kind of dictate and control that kind of stuff, but it, but uh, they probably will because pretty much every book that I've done with Covenant turns into an audiobook, and so I'm sure that that's part of what they'll be doing. In fact, maybe it's even available. I'll, I'll have to ask, but they usually do that. You know, they usually put it in audio form. So, all right, awesome. Well, um, do you have anything else you wanna you wanna plug or uh, final final words before we go ahead and finish? No, I think you guys have done a great job. You've, yeah, you've uh, asked some great questions, and I love it when people make me think about things. And but yeah, I hope that uh, the book will bless the lives of uh, uh, of the young people out there, and hopefully, hopefully, motivate them and give them the courage to to take the next step. Because marriage is marriage is the ultimate adventure, right? And marriage and family. I think the greatest happiness in life is in marriage and family. That doesn't mean there's not bad things that happen, and a lot of days we don't know, if, you know, sometimes you wonder, gosh, we're going to make it, you know, but there's nothing better, you know, I would just say the most spiritual experiences in my life, the most sacred, the most profound have been in the family, you know, and and so I, yes, I would want, I would love it for everyone to be able to have those blessings of being in a family, progressing together and, and building a family towards God's kingdom. Thanks again for coming on. Okay, we'll see ya. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the LDS Dating Podcast. Also, head over to our Facebook page, LDS Dating, to leave a comment or send us a message with your dating questions.